Hello and welcome to Rasslin' Memories on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. And we're online too if you want to check us out. We're available both in the moment and in our archives at www.radionorthland.org. I'm Glenn Broggett and this week uh, my uh, co-host, my usual co-host, partner in crime, the grizzled vet Mike McCurdy, is taking the week off. But uh, I do believe he has some mother-in-law uh, visiting that he has to do. I think his mother-in-law came uh, down to Texas to visit the Grizzled Vet and family. So we're going to be uh, soldiering on this week. I have a great uh, co-host with me this week. I have a great guest. This is just a, a triple threat of great here. But anyway, he's been on a few different times and with a few different people. And it's so good to have him back on. And it's so good that he's alive and kicking and ready to chat. It's been a while since he's been on the airwaves of Pioneer 90.1. But I want to welcome Thunderblood, Charlie Norris, to the program. Hey, it's my pleasure, my honor, and I'm very excited to talk to uh, Miss Karen McDaniel. You know, I knew Wahoo a little bit when I was in World Championship Wrestling for uh, two or three years. I was down there, and just he gave me so much advice, and uh, he he really helped me a lot. And um, uh, yeah, I, I I know some about him. Not you know, I know some things. Uh, Sam Houston, you know him, right, Karen? Very, very, very well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, you, mean well. Him you, need to read, you need to read my book. <laughs> I'm you'll going find to find out a lot more things. <laughs> oh, and this book is fantastic. And uh, yes, we do have our main event guest. Uh, she wrote the book. She uh, lived with the man. She was married to him. She was uh, up and down those pro wrestling roads. And uh, she, along with John Cosper from EatSleepWrestle.com, have put out a fantastic look back at her husband, the great Indian chief, Wahoo McDaniel, in this fantastic book, Wahoo. And uh, people up here in our listening area in northwestern Minnesota and Minnesota in general, we kn- we're EAWA fans we know we love and will never yeah. forget Wahoo McDaniel. To have uh, it, uh, my guest on is just a, a great honor, and we're going to welcome in the lovely Ms. Karen McDaniel, author of Wahoo, Thank to the you. show. Thanks so much, Karen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and kudos to my co-writer, John Cosper. Without him, I had been approached by several people to write a book about him because mm-hmm. he's so interesting, and he was interesting. And John was the only one that really wanted to do it the way I wanted to do it, which was have people that knew him tell stories about him. I mean, of course, you've got all your statistics in in the middle of all of the conversations, mm-hmm. but everyone from his sisters told stories when their children, his his grade school best friend, Joe Namath, and of course, we quote George Bush, who quoted him several times in Sports Illustrated and was his baseball coach in high school in Midland, Texas. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot in there that you don't imagine. Even before wrestling, he had reached so many different areas of everything. I mean, there's not much that any man would ever want to do that he did not do in his short 63 years. He was a man's man, an athlete's athlete, and one of my just all-time favorites. Uh, And, you know, you talk about uh, making this book more than just, uh, you know, he did this this year, he did that the other year. You opened it up for people to contribute. And that is so great because I think it's, uh, I think a lot of us pro wrestling fans who have ever been in contact with him or have seen him in the ring, both on television or live, uh, or or have had a moment with him, it it just, it's something you never forget. and for me, that was uh, going to a pro wrestling spot show up in Roseau, Minnesota, about an hour from where I grew up in 1987, uh, to see Wahoo McDaniel 
in the main event, teaming up with DJ Peterson and Ray Stevens against Kurt Henning yeah. and the Russians uh, that were Boris Zukov and Soldat Ustinov. And it was one of the first times that Kurt came uh, up around here and first time he was a villain. And people were cheering for him initially, but then they, they got sour on him fast when they realized that Wahoo was his opponent. And Wahoo laid on him one of the loudest damn chops I have ever heard. My first wrestling show, I got spoiled, man. And I got a chance to meet Wahoo, but that chop I can still hear in my mind. It, it just rattled off that gymnasium that night, but had a chance to meet him. And, you know, I was 11 years old and I, I, I didn't have any fear that day. And he was just so kind. And we talked about not about, you know, I don't even really think we talked much about wrestling. We talked in our short time. We talked about his appearance that he had just made on an HBO uh, Inside the NFL series for their Where Are They Now yeah. with Nick Bonacani. Yeah. And oh, man, he was just so, I was so impressed that the next week when he came in to do uh, promos for the next line of shows, he mentioned being up in Roseau and all of that. And he mentioned uh, talking to fans and he mentioned the NFL uh, Where Are They Now thing. So I'm like, hey, I talked with him about that. But you get those memories like that. And he was just such a, ge- a gentleman and he was so cool. He took the time on an 11-year-old kid and I'll never forget that. That's one of, I know, many stories and some you got to cover in the book of just what an interesting, fascinating, great all-around person Wahoo was. He was. He really was. He cared about people. He loved people. He liked to help people. Um, he give you when I met Hulk Hogan the first time about 1982 in Minnesota. He said, "Ms. McDaniel, it's very nice to meet you." He said, "I've heard that your husband will give you the shirt off his back." Wahoo said, "Yeah, and I'm running out of shirts." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was funny too. He had so many funny lines. My son, my oldest son Zach, is uh, was 12 when he died, and I mean he remembers him more than than the other two did. And um, Storm was four. And, and, you know, we would watch old television to get to see him, you know. But um, he remembers him, and we laugh all the time about stuff Dad said. <laughs> well, wasn't, yeah, it, wasn't, just... Zach, wasn't Zach like an all-state uh, amateur there in Florida? He, he did at one time. Um, he did pursue professional wrestling also. Um, he was training with Dory. Um, and Harley wanted him. I, I wish I'd have sent him to Harley, and because um, yeah. Harley really saw his potential, you know. And um, yeah. but um, he did some, and then it just—I don't know. He—he's a beach boy too. He's now a hundred-ton captain, has a boat, and he had to make kind of make a decision. And I think he felt like at that time in his life um, that without dad. You know, without family, anybody else but Wahoo had been in the business. It's kind of hard for these boys to break in unless unless they got family. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes that's do. true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, true. There, wouldn't be, there wouldn't be a Ric Flair without Wahoo. No, there wouldn't be a Ric Flair without Wahoo. No, there absolutely wouldn't because he, he, he trained him up there, really. He's the yeah. one who trained him. Yeah, and he never and, shot And Flair... And Flair said, he kept telling Wahoo, I want to be Rickus Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes' cousin. (laughs) Wahoo said, just go by the name Flair. He said, I'll never make any money with that name. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. That's what he told me. And that relationship, 
And that relationship between uh, Rick and, and, and Wahoo uh, really, really, um, it, I guess it was really kind of beneficial, too, for Rick's in his early career, as far as not only working with him early on in the AWA, but heading uh, to Mid-Atlantic and getting into the Carolinas where, you know, if, if it weren't for Wahoo, for Wahoo kind of doing this, being kind of a go-between or a guy who saw the talent and potential in Rick, we wouldn't have this legacy there. I mean, hypothetically, we probably wouldn't have the legacy of Rick Flair. He probably would have just been in the AWA and probably worked up the card with Bachwinkle later on or somebody else, but it wouldn't have been a Ric Flair world if uh, Wahoo wouldn't have had that no. eye and befriended him. Well, Wahoo would tell you, and he would t- he told him that you need to go here. This is where you need to go now. He said, "You need." I mean, he told him you need to go to the Carolinas, and and I think I think Wahoo told me that you know Rick was like, "I don't what's in the Carolinas," you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. <laughs> so yeah, and that I believe that territory really really made Rick Flair. Oh, yes, for really sure. Did. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And uh, I don't know how many times I told Ric Flair. I know, I mean, probably hundreds and hundreds of times, you know. Um, I don't know. But oh, I gosh, know Flair, yeah. Yeah, I knew Flair um, in the dressing room. He talked, a, I asked him a lot about Wahoo and his football career just in high school. He was an amazing hit, you know. I mean, it, uh, there's never going to be any else, another human being on earth like that. And, it, you yeah. know, it was honor that we talked on the phone all night one time i ta- i called him nelson royal gave me his number and i called uh-huh. him we talked for 10 hours and i said wahoo i gotta catch a flight here in a little while you know but he took yeah. the time to talk to me all night long and um i know something about the bennigan stories and i know you were there oh yeah <laughs> oh, yeah i was there uh, in all my glory. <laughs> but I'm going to tell that story because i got to read the book. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. We can't. We can't. A little teaser <laughs> pleaser, right? Yeah, there's a couple of Bennigan stories in there. One of them's mine. <laughs> yeah. well, um, but he, you know. you know, he was great. He was great in high school. He was great. Uh, this is something I, you know, all these college coaches were coming to see him. I think this is a unique story. And, and this is in there, but I will tell you this. And there was a lot of college coaches coming to see him, and there was this coach from Texas A&M, and he came to see Wahoo, and Wahoo told his dad, Dad, I ain't going to no college. They ain't got any girls. Because they didn't have girls at Texas A&M then. He said, I'm not going in college. Well, guess who that coach was? Bear Bryant. Bear Bryant? Bear Bryant. He came wow. to Midland, Texas, and tried to get Wahoo. Wahoo said, Dad, I ain't going to school. They ain't got no girls. <laughs> <laughs> he had his priorities. Yeah, but he did go to Oklahoma and uh, play for a, a great coach, Bud Wilkinson. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Wahoo had two records at Oklahoma, I know, have not and never will be broken. He no. punted the ball 91 yards <sighs> against Iowa, and he caught an 86-yard touchdown pass from Bobby Boyd. And I don't know how I can just spill that out of my brain, but <laughs> I, I do know that's the truth. And yeah. um, those records, they'll, they'll never be broken. But back then, be. they played offense, defense, and special team, Iron Man. Mm-hmm. So, you see, at um, the time where, where there, there, there wasn't that many minority players that, you know, that Bear Bryant, you know, looked, look, I mean, he had to, you, to get Bear Bryant to try to get you, that's like, there's no better. I mean, he was a, my dad's from Alabama, oh. and I know all about the Crimson Tide and how crazy they are about Alabama Crimson Tide. Oh, there. Lord. Do you That's need really to live crazy. where I live. If I hear Roll Tide one more time, 
Because <laughs> I live right here in Panama City Beach, so, you know, we're like, we call it, we don't call it, um, we call it L.A., Lower Alabama. There you go. <laughs> okay. Panama City Beach, Florida is directly under, you know, that panhandle of mm-hmm. Florida, Pensacola, we're directly mm-hmm. under Alabama. Yeah, so, but I, the next year after Texas A and M, he is the year he went to uh, Bear Bryant went to Alabama. Mm-hmm. He went to Alabama as their coach was the very next year. Wow! So and then wow. Wahoo went on to Houston one year, Denver three years, and he was in Denver when they wore the zebra striped outfit the year before they changed to their orange and blue. Boy, those were quite those were quite a sight back in the day. Those uniforms. It was kind of a yes. good choice that they went uh, went to the other ones the next season. But yeah. he had well, even Wahoo's NFL career too. It's like you know, I think more attention should be paid upon it because you know he, he not only played all these years, he did the AFL, the NFL. He worked played alongside some good players, but he himself was his own sort of phenomenon. I mean, the guy had his freaking name on the back of his jersey, not his last name. He had Wahoo on the back. I mean, the way he engaged a teams uh, in the crowds, I mean, this was already an early sign uh, that this guy uh, was probably meant for a little bit more, especially given the NFL at the time or the AFL at the time with the salaries where, you know, guys had to go find second jobs in the offseason. There was no other option. And he complained all the time. He just just like wrestling, he never trusted any promoters. He had me in Spartanburg out there with a clicker, clicking <laughs> the people off as they went in to make sure the promoter didn't cheat him because they were paid according to where they were on the card. You oh, know? Yeah. And he could yeah. just about look at a crowd and tell you how many was there. Um, but the same way with football, I mean professional football, his biggest year he made $18,000 with the New York Jets. Now, that wow. was a lot of money then, but that still wasn't in a lot of money. And, no. um you know their uh, their pensions are based on what they made, so he didn't have much pension, and he chose to buy it out at the time. You know, and because it wasn't much, you know, five hundred dollars a month, something like that. You know, when the time came to collect it, I think you know. So it was a different time. I mean, and the they talk about we talk about this in the book too. When when he showed up for um, NFL practice, he was in better shape than anybody else. He'd been wrestling every night. And yeah. he honestly quit playing professional football. He just didn't go back. He was making much more money wrestling. He just didn't go back. He was the original Miami Dolphin. He was the very first one picked in the expansion draft for the Miami Dolphins. He played for a coach. His name was Wilson or, or something. It was before um, Shula. Zonka. Shula. Before Shula. He was a coach for three years. He was the first coach for the Miami Dolphins. And Wahoo played the three years with him. And then after that, he said, I ain't making no money. Mm-hmm. I got to go yeah. wrestling. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's the time. And, you know, I don't know if you ever heard of Jim Marshall. He ran the wrong way touchdown for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. But, but he, he knew Wahoo. And he said, this man mm-hmm. was so amazing, you know, that it was, it was I, I think Terry Funk or somebody was telling me the story. Maybe it was Dory. Or Marty, it might have been Marty, uh, Dory's wife, that said, Wahoo, said, on a bet one time, you know, someone bet him he, he couldn't run to the next town 25 miles. And he got out of the car and ran 25 miles. I mean, that's it's just in how the book. It's, it's in the book. We have five different, okay. five different takes on that particular story. Okay. He drank motor oil. He ran 36 miles from 
Chick- uh, from Norman to Chickasaw in six hours. And I'm not sure the mileage there, but it was kind of, you know. And someone followed him in a car to make sure, you know, he didn't yep. stop. And, but he could do anything. I mean, he could do anything. He loved to fish. He loved to Jew fish. When you could die, he would free dive up under the Tampa Bay Bridge and and shoot these would you know uh, uh, shoot these big two hundred something pound jew fish and I was like, well, what was that like? He said, you just hung on because <laughs> they're taking you for a ride, you know. Wasn't he part so of the bro- out? Was he a part of the bra- uh, bass pro fishing tour or something like that? Or he was, no? and yes, after he retired, he started. Well, he played golf. Let me, let me explain Wahoo to you. He was a wrestler. He was a football player. But he had other things that he liked to do. He had hobbies. He had uh, skills and other things. So his business was his business. And I talk about this in the book, too. And being from West Texas, he didn't say business. He said business. It was <laughs> business. business. And business. that was his business. And yeah. any other thing was where a lot of these guys now, they don't have anything else. It's really sad to me. They don't have anything that they can enjoy. And, yeah. you know, he was a great golfer. His golfing buddies were Lee Trevino, you know, Charlie yeah. Pride. They all lived together in a neighborhood somewhere in Dallas at one time. But, I mean, he's playing golf with Lee Trevino and all those, and they do a, a you know, whatever they call it when they put a lot of stars together. Like pro-am type things, I've yeah. I've got pictures of him with Mickey Mantle. I've got pictures of him oh. with Evil Knievel. You know, and Lee Trevino's and all of them, they were good buddies. And Yeah. You know, he was a great golfer, and he loved to fish, and you he loved to hunt. The book is probably not enough, but you might have to have another, because it does, I know you, I haven't read Sam read it. He, he's going to send it to me. He's got a Wahoo shirt, which I want one of them shirts, and I'll send you anything. I need to find out how I get one of them. <laughs> so, which I mean, one? I love, the, the one, one with just Wahoo with, on it black it's what so sam got one for me he said he you gave him one i think but it's it's i, no, I want it, it probably says i broke wahoo's leg me and greg valentine had that shirt made up and we sell those <laughs> broke wahoo's i leg because that was the thing that i mean it was just a, a far sparks in a way because he broke wahoo's leg and then somebody gave made him up a t-shirt and gave it to greg valentine and then everybody <laughs> wanted the i broke wahoo's leg t-shirt so mm-hmm. we yeah. have them. I have some. You, when we get off here, you give me your address. Uh, I, I sure also have a guy that made some great shirts, and it's Wahoo in there. And in, in the background is all the NW, um, the Mid Atlantic uh, cards, the cards for different matches. Yes, all the Crockett cards. You know, yeah. and they're in the background. It's a unique looking shirt, also. It's really oh. unique looking. Man, I got to add one of those to my collection. I, I'm looking for you guys get talking about Wahoo shirts. That is that is so 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 cool. And uh, you mentioned uh, Sam Houston and uh, Charlie. Is uh, like you mentioned, Charlie. You you were quite close with Sam, and, and so was Wahoo in Sam's earlier days of pro wrestling. His early education in the Carolinas, and I had Sam on the show, and he he, he mentioned uh, Wahoo, and he mentioned a certain prank that's mentioned in the book, but. That was a pretty good little bonding. Again, that's another classic example of Wahoo being that from a little bit from the older generation, reaching out and, and helping and guiding people and kind of taking them under the, his wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he did. He really did. He did. Like I, he, 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 he looked out for the boys. He looked yeah. out for the boys. He'd stand he up for the boys. He'd end up, he'd end up getting fired over something, but he would be trying to get the boys the money that they deserved or, or yeah. 
you know, and he honestly, I, and I can't remember this guy's name that saved my life. He was a, um, a lower on the card guy and, and Wahoo was the booker in Charlotte and he, Wahoo straight up told him, he said, listen, let me tell you something. You stay here. He said, you'll, you'll never be it. You're never going to go all, you'll be the main event and you're not going to be. And he said, but if you stay here and you stay middle of the card where you are, you'll be able to work and have a 20 or longer year career if you stay right here. And that guy told me, he said, I listened to him and I had a 20 something year career and I fed my family and bought a nice house and had a great life. But yeah. he was honest with them. If they, he yeah. thought they had had it, you know, they had it. And if they had it here, then he would tell them, this is where you need to stay. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, he really would be honest. And and I cannot remember that guy's name to save my life. Oh, man. I'm, so trying to, I'm trying to think of it, too. Uh, could it, was, it wasn't Mark Fleming. Mm-mm. Oh, man. If I heard it, I'd, I'd know it. But he stayed middle of the card in, in the Mid-Atlantic for 20-something years. And made good money, oh. you know. Mm-hmm. He followed the advice. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. He said, you'll work every night, and you'll have a great career. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah. I did. Yeah. Well, not everybody's made out to be the main event either. And, you know, um, back when I was breaking in in the early 90s, there was All Japan, New Japan, WWF, or WCW. If you don't make it to one of those, you're a failure. And and, and yeah. I did get tryouts with WWF, and uh, Tataka... Um, he beat me out of the job, you know, like, you know, is a good guy. I know Wahoo helped him a lot and presented his mm-hmm. headdress on TV to, to, uh, Tatanka. And I asked, approached Eric Bischoff. I said, can we do this? Can we do something with Wahoo? And, and, um, he says, no, we're not going to let you wear your headdress. And I don't think, I know he didn't like Bischoff. Wahoo should have been the booker of WCW back then or Dusty. It was him and Dusty and whoever, but, Dusty always seemed to keep that afloat down there, you know, somehow him and Ole and Watts or whoever, yeah. but Bishop came in and just ruined everything. And, um, you know, I, I, I know that because Wahoo told me that it, 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 Bishop should not be a booker. I mean, he should be buying a ticket mm-hmm. or be, and I don't know, whatever. But so, yeah, he, he was Is honest. that what Wahoo said? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, uh, well, you had to, you had to, to me, to be a booker, you got to be a wrestler. Really. Exactly. You've got to have done that. I mean, yep. you know, you've got to have done that to, in some form, to to see what's going to work. And Wahoo knew what worked. He knew what worked. His his problem, the reason he went so many territories, he'd get fired. And, and we talk. I'll tell you this in the book. My oldest son Zach said, or Z Man, we call him, said to me, he said, "Mom, I know you just married Dad for his money." Because he was like 28 years older than me <laughs> and, uh, uh, or something like that. And um, I said, wait just a minute. I said, let me tell you something. When I met your dad, we were in Raleigh, North Carolina. Jimmy Crockett had just fired him for the 15th time. <laughs> um, he didn't have a car. He had wrecked it. I had a coupe to build that was paid for that was mine. And I was 20 years old. And um, mm. I said, he didn't have a car or a job. So don't tell me I'm married him for his money. <laughs> And hey, I was number five. He didn't have nothing left when I got. It. <laughs> <laughs> and what a road to get to you, though he had. And he meant it's mentioned in the book his up and down roller coaster ride with love and getting burned and loving and burning and finally finding you. Well, I just I was I, my girlfriends wanted me to meet him, and I I, I don't want to meet a wrestler. <laughs> you know, I really didn't. I didn't have any interest in meeting a wrestler. 
And they kind of set it up that we all happened to be at the same place. And he had me after hello, I can tell you that, because he was so interesting. And Wahoo wasn't the most beautiful man. He didn't have the sculpted body like all these, a lot of these guys did. But there was something that drew you to him that was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And he always had my back, even when I was wrong. I can tell you that. Even when I was wrong and knew I was wrong in certain circumstances or instances, he always had my back, and I knew that. And and to me, that's—I mean—that's—that's that's love, respect, kindness, something you don't find in anybody else's relationship very often. Now, I sorry about that. I just got a new iPhone. I'm sorry about that, and I don't know a damn thing about this. Anyways, so I'm back. <laughs> she was talking okay. about. Uh, her and Wahoo getting together, and some of the qualities that were, you know, that drew her to to, to Wahoo. And uh, let's let the let's let the lady tell the story. Well, and that's what I mean. He just, you knew that it was love and respect and kindness, and that's hard to find in a person. He always had my back, even when I was wrong, and there were times I was wrong too. He was not the easiest man to live with, um, and he did whatever he wanted to do, but I learned early on I could do whatever I wanted to do too. We, I mean, exactly. You know, we had our own lives. Now he kept me busy. I made all the food for Channel Thirty Six on TV taping days, and I would roll up with all their food for them to eat. Deviled eggs. Greg Valentine ate every deviled egg I ever made, <laughs> and that. And then he had me had me make. Flair's robes. You know, robes, you yeah, you made a lot of his robes, yep. Yes. yes, I made a lot of his robes. Uh, on the A&E thing that they had on, WWE had on, they asked for uh, the right to use my pictures of the robes that I made, but then they didn't mention me. I rolled on the back of the screen. I think my name was rolled up there real fast at the back, but they didn't mention that I made them. And Flair uh-huh. said Olivia made all my robes, which is not right, and he knows that. Yeah. Um, that green robe, that jungle robe, his wife, Beth, who she and I grew up together in a little town called Havana, Florida, north of Tallahassee on the Georgia line. And um, she brought me that robe. And we don't know who made it, but it was in shreds. The animals were coming off. And I embroidered all the animals back on it, put the rhinestones all over it, made a belt for it. It didn't even have a belt. And I, honest to God, took white ostrich feathers and dyed them with boiled tea bags. <laughs> To make them that orange. Nice. Wow. Yeah. That's original. So that's that's that jungle robe. Now it was shown on there, and they, you know, they did. They said they didn't know who made it, and I honestly don't know who made it. But it it was it was nothing but a bunch of shreds when she brought it to me. But the wow. to me the one his most famous robe is the one I made, the white robe with the lavender butterflies. Everybody yeah. loves that one the best. Oh yeah. And yeah. it fit him right. That black robe they promoted on the A and A show was baggy on him. It didn't look good on him. I never liked that robe on him. Um, yeah. I but like my white robe looked good. Go ahead. It was, am- it was amazing. I love that robe. Yeah, I love that robe, too. <laughs> um, I've actually made a couple of duplicates, and I put in there that this is a duplicate of a, an original robe by Karen McDaniel. You know, mm-hmm. so, so it can't be passed off as the robe, because who knows whatever happened to it. Um, I made a black robe. It was... Um, Someone sent me a picture of it the other day, and um, don't know what happened to it. Um, and I made the hot pink robe with the ostrich feathers. Now I think it was torn up in the ring one time. Somebody yeah. in a you know match they came up and tore it up in the ring. I can't remember, but 
but yeah, I'm making a couple of duplicates. I'm working on one actually now. That mm-hmm. these the collectors are just they're crazy over all this stuff. They yeah. you know they're just they want it so bad, and um, so and they they even want a duplicate of that road because they they say I love that road. That was my favorite road. That, well, it was my favorite too, and it fit him perfect. Mm-hmm. And I made Rick Rude's robe a black one that had the lips on the back oh, yeah. rhinestones. I made both of Tully's robes, a red one and Didn't. a black one. That's a classics. And I made Man- Manny Fernandez his chaps and vests and stuff like that. By the way, Manny's coming here tomorrow to stay over. He and uh, a wrestler that he's training, I think, or working with named Geronimo. They're going to stay here and then they're headed on down to Orlando for uh, a show. So they're, they're going to come from Oklahoma and he's bringing me some of his stuff to sell for him. He's carrying out of that. I said, don't worry. Bring here. I'll, I'll get you some money, brother. Don't worry about it. Oh, man. Jim and Manny had a hell of a feud all oh. the way. I mean, they made so much money and they were so great matches. And I know Manny really has all, everybody, everybody that ever knew Wahoo, I wrestled him, I worked a program with him. And how many times, how many times did he go to Japan? It's got to be a hundred times. He did. Um, his last trip, you know, he worked for Baba, and then he mm-hmm. switched to Anoki, and you don't do that. No, That's, no, no. They, they don't like you to do They didn't like you to do that. And the, his last trip to Japan, he got drunk and stole the great sake and stole the bus and drove it back to Tokyo. So that was his last trip to Japan. <laughs> I love it. That's a true story. I don't think that's in the book, so you just got one. I just happened to think about that. Oh, um, yeah. But he um, but he did. He got drunk and stole the bus and drove, left everybody and drove back to Tokyo. That so, I love it. Yeah. That was his last trip. But he'd come home with $5,000 in cash. Yeah. That's how they did things back then, in a, in a briefcase. And it'd be American I wrestled, I wrestled in Japan, and I didn't know you're not supposed to have $10,000 on you or more when you go through customs. Nobody ever told me that. And, heck, I, they mm-hmm. could have confiscated money. But, yeah, I, I did well in Japan, selling chokers, selling this. So I didn't work for Anoki or Baba, but, you know, there was a lot mm-hmm. of independent. And I did quite well. I made more selling my gimmicks, you know, my chokers, my headbands, my yeah. T-shirt, beadwork, ear, everything. So it was, I had a good, but you know, I've been there 12, I don't know, 15 times. And I, I've seen enough of Japan. Heck with it. I'm not, no, it was hard. It was mm-hmm. hard. Over, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Another, go ahead. Go I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead. I was talking about Dickie Murdoch. I'm sure you know all that crazy, crazy guy, you know, so. Yes, he was. Yes, he yeah. was. He so, was. Um, um, yeah, I know that he was gone. Gimmicks and that was, you you were talking about gimmicks, and that was one unique story too. Is that when Wally went to the Mid Atlantic, he only did the way he would go. He made a deal with Jimmy Crockett that he sold his own stuff. Back uh-huh. then, they sold pictures of the guys, and they had no idea. Nobody had any idea the uh, the sales that no. they could have made off of things. But Nobody. when we went to the Mid-Atlantic, I printed up all the Wahoo pictures, and I went, I sold them. I was one sitting out there selling them. And, um, but we, the Crockett's didn't get any money off him as far as pictures. That was his deal when he first went there, that he, he sold his own gimmick. And he yeah. did. When they did the Starcades, I would pack up T-shirts, pictures, and I would put them on a bus back then. I bust them through the different towns that it was, what did you call that when you went to an arena? Oh, closed circuit. 
Claire, closed circuit. I had someone at every single closed circuit selling uh, gimmicks. We made more money off of Starcade that one night uh, than probably Jimmy Crockett did. <laughs> and he, was, he, was he part of the Great American Bash or that insane schedule where they worked with David Allen Cole? He was on that, wasn't he? I'm sure he was. I think he was. I think he was. I can't, yeah, I think was that whatever on the time he was working with Jimmy Garvin? What, what about Jimmy Garvin? Was that around the summer he was working with Jimmy Garvin? Was it, or was that a different bash year? Because when they had their Indian strap matches, which were, were just awesome. I know. I, my son, Nolan, he looked up, he looked up a, a interview, interview, and it's so funny with Jimmy and Precious. And Jimmy's she's spraying him with the stuff, and she says, <laughs> he's got to drag that whale around the <laughs> ring. It's the fun, it is the funniest promo. I, I mean, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy was really good on the mic. I mean, because he would do, do those those taunting promos to get Wahoo to come out saying all of these outrageous things. But it just more, it just was layer on layer. It was kind of like before Magnum had his accident. They were trying to work Jimmy into a feud with Magnum, a side feud, and he was trying to tell the world that Magnum was actually an adult dancer. He wasn't just a wrestler. I mean, it was just Jimmy was just deadpan, and that's was that was so much fun about wrestling. Though back in the day, they had their bullet points they needed to hit, but it wasn't just all scripted. It was these guys kind of going off the cuff, and you can kind of get a little bit of a taste of what they would be like in conversation. You can kind of tell the sarcasm. You can really kind of get to know that person more so than today in the line of in the scripts and all of that stuff. Yeah, they, Wahoo. They, but Wahoo was Wahoo. Yeah. He yeah. didn't have a character. That he was himself. <laughs> he was yeah. himself. So that part was easy for him. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That part was easy. Yeah, but uh, I know. There, uh, where, was he like Andre the Giant? Used to get like eight percent of the house. Did Wahoo ever have that kind of arrangement? Because so many wrestlers made a lot of money just because of Wahoo was on the card. I mean, you know. So no, I don't know if he, he ever... Andre uh-huh. was kind of like I guess having. The girls on the card or the midgets on the card, he was a drawing himself, and he never was really dedicated to one territory. He was kind of like a, a, a champion, an NWA champion, so to speak, that traveled from territory to territory. Um, yeah. Yeah, he really didn't. He didn't have that. He he okay. got his percentage off of where he was on the card, main event, semi-main, mm-hmm. whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And that's how they paid him. But, no, he was dedicated to each territory that he went to. Yes, but I remember. For the first years, we moved eight times. I finally said, "That's it. I'm not moving yeah. anymore. Go wherever. So I'm staying right here." Uh, <laughs> that must have been I tough. Hope. That must have been so tough, you know. And their well, schedule tough. in the seventies. Well, seven days a week and twice on Sunday. Yeah, that he that was insane. That was insane. Yes, that was insane, and he just kept going and going and going and. I, I, yeah, man, did, he's the reason why I did become a professional wrestler. And, you know, because of Wahoo, I wanted, there wasn't that native, many Native American wrestlers. And I remember, I was the real Chippewa, full-blood Indian from northern Minnesota, Red Lake. Wahoo's been there, been fishing there. Um, yeah. You know, and um, we talked a lot about that. And I just, you know, he's just, he, he was a big influence on me. And anyways, we're getting back to the headdress story. I don't want to cut you off, but yeah, we were going to do it. And he wanted Monday night, Ron gave his uh, headdress to Tatanka, and he said, I'll do the same for you. He called Bischoff, and he said, ah, that stupid idiot, you know, Wahoo, he's going to tell it like it is. He's not going to 
you know, do it. And I don't know why, but it didn't work out. So anyways, yeah, he's the reason why I did become a professional wrestler. And um, I told him that. And I think a lot of guys, you know, especially being a Native American, you know, you're, you don't have that much of a chance, really. I mean, well, back when I was, as I said, there's only four organizations. Um, that right. Well, the minute was a huge, huge, that was, Charlotte was the, its own territory back then, you know? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Well, Florida. now, Briscoe's, they're, Briscoe's are, um, they're Chickasaw. <clears throat> they're yeah. both Chickasaw. Yeah, um, Jack yeah. And, yeah, Jack and Jerry are, but they didn't work the Indian gimmick. They never well, did nobody, the Indian gimmick, so they were. But most of the ones who did the Indian gimmick were, were Italians or something else. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, they exactly. weren't really. Mm-hmm. Well, even Adnan is uh, Chief uh, Will, Billy White Wolf. Yes, yeah, and, uh. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, they wanted me to do some really stuff that would make fun of Native people. And I turned down a lot of money because I wasn't going to do it. And I, I wouldn't do it for a trillion dollars to make fun of my, my ancestors, you know. So, and, uh, but they I, I, I'll tell you something you think is funny. I used to call Wahoo an apple. I said, <laughs> you're red on the outside, white on the inside, boy. Exactly. <laughs> I said, you're an apple. <laughs> but no, he's, uh, you know, he's a member of the Choctaw tribe. My son's a member of their ch- the Choctaw, blonde-headed, blue-eyed Indians. Mm, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I've met so, Native people that, I've met Native people that had blonde hair and blue eyes that had more Indian blood than I do. So you just yes. don't know. You know? So, um, you don't but, know. Yeah. And I'll be honest if you didn't have someone in your family on the roll between 1904 and 1907, because I had to research this a lot, then you don't have a chance in H-E-L-L of becoming, of, of proving you have Indian heritage. If someone yeah. in your family grew up on the reservation or <laughs> it's almost extinct, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, um, you know, like there's three, there's three things that I know of that, <laughs> That, that are go by blood quantum. Horses, dogs, and Native Americans. Now, ain't that, that something? Not- oh, man. I just, I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm shaking here. <laughs> oh, that's silly. You, well, I can't wait you to read the book because you'll love the part. His dad looked like, well, his dad did walk off the reservation. He's five foot seven and he looked like a little, an Indian chief and he never talked. He never said a word. Now, his mother mm-hmm. was a five foot 10 or 11. She was tall. But back, especially then, women weren't that tall, you know. Now you've no. got all these tall models. But she yeah. was tall, and she was a German and very outspoken. And he got a lot of his his uh, thoughts on life and charisma from her. And you've got to read the book because she's funny, too. I will. Yes, I will. For sure, I'm getting it. I yeah. mean, she, she'd call it like it was. She'd tell him exactly mm-hmm. what she thought. She didn't care. And he learned to be that way, really, from her. Her father was – everyone called their uh, – Wahoo Senior, and they called him Wahoo, but all the family called him Father. I called him Father. They didn't call him Dad. They called him Father. I don't know where that came from, but everybody called him Father. And I remember, um, I stayed down at uh, Barb Armstrong's, and all the you know all those kids. They're wonderful family, Mrs. Armstrong. Have you ever met, uh, talked to Armstrong, and know him, him and his wife and his kids? Uh, yeah, I I, I knew. Um, I knew them well. Actually, I have a picture of me and his wife right before she passed away. And oh. then Bob, later, they had their 60th anniversary 
although it wasn't quite their 60th anniversary. They had a big anniversary party. I didn't go to it, but I saw her right before they had it, and then shortly after they had it, she passed away, and then about six months later, he did. Yeah, weren't they wonderful he, people? Was, uh, I know he was still going to these little, uh, you know, these independent shows around this mm-hmm. area, around Panama City Beach and all over from Pensacola, and um, she would go sell gimmicks for him, and she said, I said, are, are you not tired of this? She said, no, I've never got to go anywhere with him. I'm having a good time. And she said, if not, we'd just be sitting on the couch looking at each other. Yeah, yeah, that was, that's she, the road is hard. Yeah, she was adorable, and she had oh, just yeah. lost Brad, and I lost my youngest yeah. son, and um, he was the oh, dolphin yeah. tour guide here in Panama City Beach, and he was leading 10 skis out, and a boat just, decided i guess i could beat that line of jet skis and hitting he was uh 18 almost 18 but he had been tour guiding since he was 14 i didn't know and, that uh, oh yeah it, it was just terrible it happened in 2015 very sad and uh, mm-hmm. he was 6 3 230 and we'd go to the gym together and he'd say mom these guys tell me i got a body like randy orton who's randy orton <laughs> <laughs> yeah who's randy orton I mean, they they were beach boys, and I they didn't have a dad, and I did their schooling through the Indian Reservation. They sent me uh, work for them to do, and they did. They have Heritage Indian School diploma. It's not a GED, and yeah, I put yeah. them to work on the beach because they needed to be around men. They needed to learn about money. They didn't yeah. need to be in the eighth grade getting in trouble. And I could see that happening with Zach, and I could see it happening with Storm. And I pulled them out, and they went to work on the beach on the Friday before Storm was killed. Now, he think he's 17 now. He handed me $500. I said, Storm, you're almost 18. You want to get an apartment? You want to get your apartment? He said, Mom, you need this money more than I do. Oh, now, how many 17-year-olds you know do that? <laughs> no. I don't know any. No. None. No. No. So I felt like, you know, I mean, because Wahoo wasn't around, I made the choice to go that route. Now, they, uh, you know, Storm played football. You could still go to school, and that he was. He was pretty darn good too, and uh, and even as an elementary player, I had to <laughs> I had to wrap him in saran wrap to make sure he'd sweat off and be under a hundred pounds to play, play in the pee wee league because <laughs> he was too so big, you know. But he was six three two thirty at seventeen wow. and had a body like a like Randy Orton, a beautiful mm-hmm. long legged looking body. Now Zach's yeah. more built like Wahoo with those stout thick legs and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brad Armstrong was one of the greatest friends I've ever had in my life, and we hung out Brad, every day. Oh my goodness! He sakes. had to climb through my window in Charlotte one time. <laughs> he he went out with the girls one night. We went to Whispers in Charlotte. That was the big hangout. Mm. And we got back to my house, and I didn't have a key. And he, I told his mom about this. She thought it was so funny. He had to climb through the bathroom window to get us into the house. I'll never forget that. <laughs> I love Brad. Brad was oh, good. good. Oh, never a dull moment. And I was so lucky every day for two years straight. We, I, I shouldn't be allowed to have that much fun. And, you know, it, it's not just about the drinking and whatever. It, it, it was natural. We just, it, one of my yeah. greatest friends ever. And, man, wow, he talked so much about Wahoo and his wife. I mean, um, I didn't know Brad's current wife, but... His, you know, his mom was such a doll, and his dad, and I stayed at their house in Pensacola, and we talked all night. It was yeah. mostly about Wahoo. Yeah. A bullet, the bullet yeah. was saying, wow, I didn't know a lot of these things, and um, every story I hear, wow, this man was so, it's beyond amazing what he 
you know what he he was like. He was a real man. I mean, a thousand. Percent. Yeah, he was a man. He really uh, was. He's a real. He stood up to the underdog. He was not mm-hmm. a bully. Yeah. Um, Bob and I told. I said, Bob, he used to grab me and Zach's hands, you know, right across your palm of your hand, and squeeze. That would hurt. Not scream. <laughs> and, you know, he would be playing with us. And Bob said, yeah. he used to do that to me too. He said, he used to do that to me too. When we'd be tag teaming, he'd grab my hand like the tag team. He'd take my palm, the palm across your hand and squeeze your knuckles together. He said, I was about to scream too. <laughs> he, was just, he was just ribbing him, that's all, you know. Yeah, he was. And he was just ribbing him. What about Harley? Did you know Harley Race very good? Yeah, I knew Harley real well. I liked Harley. Yeah. Harley. Now, Harley was the champion then, and he would come in and out of the Mid-Atlantic. So, yes, I knew him real well. And um, yeah. like I said, we thought when Zach kind of got out kind of decided maybe he shouldn't be doing this, Harley said to Karen, I wish you'd just send him to me. You know, we, yeah. don't, charge, we don't charge the boys when we train them. We don't do all that. I'd have got him housing. And I'm like, oh, God, I wish I had. Because that, that, that was good. That was good. He was yeah. really good. He's, well, got a, um, he's got a match on uh, one of the fan fests in Charlotte with um, uh, up north. Okay. His name like that, but um, he's he's a famous wrestler. He had a match that night with him and uh, Fonzie was the referee, and they ended up yeah, throwing I'm... him and cut Zach's head. But Zach was hanging in there, man. <laughs> I was like, go, boy. He yeah. Was hanging in there with that. Um, gosh, I can't. It was 2009 Fan Fest in Charlotte, and uh, it was a really good match. I've, of course, like I said, as soon as I hang up, his name will come to my mind. But he's pretty well, well I know known. Why, I know one of the reasons why he never got a, a contract up there with Vince Sr. And, you know, because of Chief J. Strongbow, and Sergeant Slaughter told me this, that no one's going to come in here that's going to be better than the Chiefs. And I think, I don't know if they ever offered him any money, but, yeah, it was like that. It was politics up there. And Chief, he I mean, he never, not, he, he would have never, he would have never gotten along with those people. No. He worked for the dad. Now, he worked for the mm-hmm. dad when he was with the Jets and all that. He worked for Vince Senior, but he'd have never gone, gotten along. He'd have done flip that desk over to, he flipped yeah. a lot of promoters over from time to time, I've heard. He'd get mad and be in their office and flip their desk over and, of course, then mm-hmm. he'd be fired, and I'd be packing the shit up the movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he was right. He was he was in the right. I mean, yeah. he drew money. Yeah, made I, everybody. Was, I was I was proud that he stood his ground. He wasn't anybody's gopher. I mean, he wasn't. No, he was no. never going to be that. He didn't he have to be a. Ever gonna, he didn't no, have to, you know. Yeah, yeah anybody would take him. Whoever it was would take him right back as soon as he called and said, "I want to come back. Come back. Come back." You know. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. they made money with him. Oh, everybody. And, and and another thing is, if you did not sell for Wahoo McDaniel, oh, you're gonna. You were made to sell for Wahoo you're gonna. McDaniel. You <laughs> were gonna. Yeah. Who could be so foolish See, not to? I came out of uh, I came out of Eddie Sharkey School in Minnesota here in Brad Rangins, and uh-huh. you know the Road Warriors, Rick Rude. I met Brad. Know, I remember Brad. Oh yeah, he I was. I remember he... Brad and and Brunzel. I like Brunzel a lot. Uh, yeah, in, in the early 80s. But, I keep um, interrupting you. I apologize. No, I'm trying to think of something here because I'm, you know, I just there's so much to tell, and you know, I know it is. It, it's like too much. And, 
Yeah, I, yeah. It, yeah, just seeing Wahoo as a kid in the early 70s when I was eight, nine, I mean, oh my goodness, that, that's all I talked about, that's all I thought about. I told everybody I'm going to be a pro wrestler someday. Nobody believed mm-hmm. me, but I did. I got lucky. So I know uh, Joe Laronitis, uh Animal, told me one time they were working yeah. some. He came flying off the ropes and uh, he wanted Wahoo to, you know, take the big tackle. And, you know, this is Wahoo's territory. And the Road Warriors didn't yeah. really know. They were so green. They and, were uh, really Joe, green. Yeah, and, and Joe said, you, you should sell. And he said, you know, if you, you sell. I'm Wahoo. You know, this is my territory. But he yeah. did help the he did help the road warriors out a lot. Everybody. And, and he you helped, helped every- very much. Yes, he they did. They stayed and in our th- house. Every time they came into town, they stayed at our house. And all I did was cook. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Ex- he took them fishing. He took hog and animal fishing. They both caught a 36-pound striper or bigger. Or th- wow. took them down to Clarksville Dam in South Carolina wow. and caught big 30-something-pound yeah, he- stripers. Yeah, I remember... Um, Joe telling me all about that and like, man, Wahoo, you got to meet Wahoo. And I finally, I called him, out of, you know, I was like, I hope I'm not bothering you. This is like 10 o'clock at night. We talked till six o'clock in the next morning. And, and like I said, I got to catch a flight. To, I don't know where we we're going somewhere. I was living in Atlanta and I said, Wahoo, I hate to do this, but I got to catch a flight, man, in about an hour and a half here. So, but yeah, if he all was that talking stuff, about his business, he was happy. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I was just picking his brain like I did with Harley. Nobody wanted to ride with Harley. Now, you know about that, how, how crazy he was driving. Well, nobody you know? was crazier than Walker driving. You could ask, oh, well. If Weaver was around, you could ask him about that because they ended up getting shot at driving down the road one time. <laughs> and then Wahoo got his gun out and shot back at the person, whoever it was. And yeah. we, That was Weaver never rode with Wahoo again. It was a wild time. I just closed my eyes most of the time and said, please let us get there. <laughs> I love it. I really it love it. Glenn, it was questions me. you can ask? Well, no, I've been I'm sitting sorry. back and enjoying the exchange here, uh, Charlie. You really uh, have asked some good questions, brought out some good conversation. We're heading down. We've got less than 10 minutes left of the program. And I'm, I, 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 you know, I'm listening to you talk, and I'm, and I'm thinking about, you know, man, that, the book is so good. I, you know, there could definitely be another book or two books. But I think a, a, good, book idea, a good book idea, though, Karen, would be yes. the pro wrestlers' wives of the Mid Atlantic. It oh, would be. It really. It really would be. Yeah, I mean, it'd probably be R rated or, or. Well, hey, 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 hey! I, I, I didn't say it had to be squeaky clean. Now, you know, oh, la- you ladies have definitely uh, have lived the part and uh, endured a lot. Some have been uh, maybe the first or the second wives. Some people may have just been with that one guy for the whole distance. I mean, there's some good stories. I mean, you were with a lot of different. Ga- I mean, Beth Flair, you said you were friends with and. Kind of one of the reasons you ended up with Wahoo. You also made friends with others. I mean, including Big Mama, Jimmy's wife. I mean, there's a oh, lot I of people. Love Big Mama, she's down in Vero Beach. I promise her, I've got to go see her and her daughter, her beautiful daughter Tori, down there. And she's got like seven beautiful children. I can't. I want to see them. I think there's six boys and one girl. And but are she's you down gonna, in Vero Beach. Are you going to be at the mm-hmm. gathering August down there in Charlotte? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Nolan yeah. and I are going. And Nolan is my beautiful son with the long black hair. Now Nolan has some developmental delays. He's autistic, but he you wouldn't know it if you saw it. And then he has a job and um he's very, very high functioning and he was while he's the love of his life. 
I mean, he would take him to the golf course with his oxygen tank and all when he was four or five years old. And um, one time they were at the golf course in Charlotte, and the, the tee-off spot was at the top of the hill. And Wahoo got out, went back around to get his golf club, and Nolan hit the gas the gas pedal and took off down the hill. That Indian was chasing him so fast. <laughs> and they hit he hit an embankment and came, had a big egg on his head, had mud all in his hair. Wahoo brought him right back to the house, and I've never seen him that white. He was so scared because Nolan had been so sick. No birth defects, but what happened to him when he was born caused him to have some, a lot of things that had to be done to him. And, um, I mean, you know, you always walked on edge if he was going to be breathing the next day. And yeah. I have never seen why that white, he was so scared he had really hurt him. And we watched him. I called his doctor. I said, it's a, you know, I was a nurse. I'm a nurse. And uh, my last, oh, Lord, have mercy. We had spring break here. I worked at Bay Medical in the ER for my last 12 years as an RN. And uh, that was a fun time. You're talking about wrestling. I got to wrestle a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. I bet. So, and, um, you'd always make someone's day, a, a child with leukemia or something like that. And I seen it myself and lighting up people's faces. It was like, that's what it was all about for me too, you know? And I, the yeah. one time, he, I don't know if he was married to a stripper, dancer, whatever, before that. And he told me, he said, don't ever. He, um, well, he, a lot of the guys married dancers and strippers and they lost the you know greg valentine for one you know six divorces six fortunes or whatever but wahoo told yeah. me one time said, kid don't ever marry a stripper and i kind of laughed and he looked at me i'm serious and i'm like okay i won't because mm -hmm. you know what it just it was great advice it was good advice yeah yeah oh so, uh, well but, i wasn't a stripper i was a cocktail waitress and a ballet dancer and uh um and a nurse <laughs> Why did I, had all, I was just finishing nursing school when I met Wahoo. Mm -hmm. So okay, yeah. I had a 30 years of doing that. And, yeah. But, I mean, you know, we, he he just, I don't know, he he was just amazing. He really was. I can't say anything. I mean, just please don't get me wrong. He wasn't perfect by any means, and I'm no. not perfect by any means. He was high-strung. Very high-strung. And, and you did not want to make him mad. But he used to, I say pout, and everybody says, don't use that word, Karen, because I can't imagine him pouting. But if he got mad at me, he wouldn't talk to me for like two or three days. I mean, and I'd be following him around. Please talk to me. What did I do? Then finally I realized after a year or two of marriage, uh-uh, that'll work. You know, I finally said to him, you can do all that ignoring me and not talking to me you want to, because I don't care. He never did it again. Mm -hmm. He never did it again. Well, you are so you had to stand up to him. You had to stand up to him is what I'm getting yeah. at. He had to know that you were, that you'd stand up to him. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, amazing uh, woman for, uh, you know, live, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not talking about abuse or none of that, but just to, to be married to someone like that. I don't know how you kept up. I don't know how you, I don't know how you did it. You know, um, he was I, gone. I say, I, say, I say busy. I was sewing and doing stuff like that all the time. I had my own life. I had my own hobbies. I had my mm -hmm. own thing that I did. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I never have been one to sit around. Still not. I'm in there working on a road now. You know <laughs> what I right. mean? All right. Yeah. So, yeah. It, um, you, you just, I don't know. I think you just get used to that. And 
if you mm-hmm. and if you're dedicated to that person i i care about my, if if i had a partner or a husband or whatever i'd want them to be happy i'd want them to do whatever they wanted to do mm-hmm. you know and and cuz if you're stifled then you become unhappy you know yeah. no i didn't like it that he left the house at 9:30 in the morning to go tea off and he would run home and take a shower and get in the car and drive to wherever you know and and i would be you know i I didn't like that i didn't but the time i got to spend with him was great but i didn't want him unhappy either if i said just spend the day with me do you think he would have no i just had to get my butt up and i would go to golf course and lay out at the pool and i'd see him do the nine hole turn or i went fishing with him all the time my honeymoon was in Del rio texas fishing you know, mm-hmm. I came home with more cuts and bruises. We'd go hunting in West Texas with four trailers. There's a story, and I'm not giving that one away. It was a good one. In the <laughs> okay, book no. Either. no, but we're, I mean, we'd go hunting. We'd each have a Jeep and go hunting. I mean, I, I either went, I would never not ask to go if I wanted to go with him, but he wanted to do what he wanted to do. And, and, and I think any relationship, you can't. Whether it's man or woman, you can't stifle them and check them all the time and see what they're doing, and it just yeah. don't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know he's a singer on a strip bars. I'm, I just I didn't want to say that. I mean, he wasn't like that. He was all business, all you know, all the time. And you know, I I know a lot about him, and I only spent maybe you know I met him like three times. I ran him to the airport oh. one time. So. I was in WCW then, and he told me to give me some pointers and this and that, and you know, just just took his time. He didn't have to do that. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't uh, have to uh. talk night on the phone. Um, you know, a, a couple of times actually, and he's uh-huh. he, you know, I mean, so many wrestlers owe him because they made a lot of money because Thank of him. You. Absolutely, he Thank made you. the crop. Yes, well, he did. You know, him and Dusty were the people down there, and um, yeah, you ever. You ever talked to Dustin or Cody and all of them? Yeah, I went over to AEW last year and um, um, went, you know, behind the scenes and and hugged Cody and 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 Dustin was Karen, you know, like that. He, you know, <laughs> and Arn and Cody were there. I got to see them. That was about a year ago. I went over there and mm-hmm. I met um, Tony Khan and Chris, his assistant, or you know, executive assistant, and, um, you know, any, anytime I want to come back, you know, I can come and yeah. go. That's kind of not, um, I think they have a good production promotion there. I like the way that, at that time when I went, COVID had just started and they were doing all their shows at the daily center there next to the stadium, but they're out traveling again, of course, now. So it, that might be difficult for me to go, but they were doing their, their shows. Strictly there they're during that. Out, they're selling out in minutes everywhere they go. Yeah. And I, these kids yeah. are, are so crazy, and I, I know they don't realize what they're doing to their bodies, but uh, it's a different era, different time right now. They're doing some, like, it's the fans that are calling the match. I mean, not the wrestlers, some, you know, and these guys are, I mean, like uh, one wrestler from WWF got hurt really bad, broke his neck a couple weeks I ago. Hope he's, yeah, he's poor guy. Hope, did read he's not paralyzed oh. but he did break his neck so he's probably done wrestling mm-hmm. oh, you know gosh. i would think i would think he's probably done i, I mean i wouldn't chance it but my neck had been broken but he's they said he is not paralyzed that's good so that's well that's, 
that's a good thing. And he, um, you know, like I said, these kids, it's just, they're going to be more, some of the stuff they're doing, oh, my God, if they're off by an inch or two, they're going to, you know, break your neck or something. And it, it's just scary. And, but, yeah, yeah. And it looks like the time look time it looks like we uh, have made the Broadway. We have gone up to the sixty minute mark, and it's been. Uh, it seems like we could have went for a, a double Broadway, but you know the book is called Wahoo. Our special guest was Karen McDaniel, and uh, yeah, I thank you so much for for chatting with Charlie and I. And of course, if you ever want to come back on sometime, you're definitely welcome. Sure, thank you. You get a lot of laughs out of the book too. Oh, it's it's a good on one. Amazon under wrestling biographies, or you can get it from eatsleepwrestle.com. Yes, and uh, John Cosper, a great, great guy, and puts out some really cool, cool books. For Karen McDaniel and Thunderblood Charlie Norris, I'm Glenn Broggett. This has been Wrestling Memories.